0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, time to slam the brakes on a big acquisition project at GSA. It's Monday, October 17th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The office of the Secretary of Defense at the Pentagon has its own chief information officer, Michael Donnelly will lead the new Information Management and Technology Directorate at OSD. Donnelly named Danielle Metz Director of the IMT Office Friday. More details on the new office on this week's Defense Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. The Department of Veterans Affairs is putting a hold on its electronic health records program till next June. The agency says it's pausing the program to, quote, address challenges with the system. Deputy Secretary of Veterans Affairs Donald Remy says the agency is, quote, holding Oracle Cerner and ourselves accountable to get this right. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Salesforce brings the public sector and customers together in the digital age. To access the new Veteran Mental Health and Resiliency Resources module, go to trailhead.salesforce.com. The General Services Administration should cancel the transactional data reporting pilot because of pricing problems, according to GSA's Office of Inspector General. The IG office says the pilot doesn't, quote, result in viable pricing methodology after a six-year test run. Thomas Triple is Regional Inspector General for Auditing in the Mid-Atlantic Regional Audit Office. Barbara Bolden is Deputy Assistant Inspector General for Acquisition Audits in the Office of the Inspector General at GSA. Uh, Tom and Barbara, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Barbara, I start with you. Uh, this report about FAST starts with this reason why you perform the audit due to concerns about how FAST's contracting personnel are performing price analyses for multiple award schedule, contract awards, and option extensions. What were the concerns, Barbara, that you looked at that caused you to do this work?
1: Yes. First of all, thank you so much for having us, Francis. We appreciate the opportunity to discuss this matter further. Um, Over the last several years, we've noticed that GSA's focus is less and less about best price for taxpayer dollars when negotiating these pricing on schedule contracts. And now we see a general shift to pricing that's really about this, what they call relative competitiveness or close to other government pricing. That does not leverage the government buying power, which is what the MAS or schedules program has always been predicated on. And we feel that also provides a risk to government customers of paying inflated pricing for goods and services, which is ultimately a risk to the use of taxpayer funds. So we took a holistic view of the schedules program by looking at 20 significant schedule contracts, which was a mix of the transactional data pilot contracts and the commercial sales information um, with a combined value of about $4.3 billion. That encompasses the major methodologies used by GSA for the schedules contract.
2: Just to add on to to what what Barbara said, yet yeah, so we're very active in the multi award schedule arena. Uh, we perform a lot of pre award uh, contract audits uh, where we provide um, pricing advice to to the GSA contract officials. So being involved in that process gave us a lot of insight into how uh, pricing was was being negotiated. And as Barbara said, we saw this shift right from how the MAS program was initially set up to get that best price to now uh ma I'm sorry the gsa contracting officers really just target a price that's just close to to another government contract price. So, um, you know, so that's really, it was a, a dynamic shift. It's like trying to, you know, trying to equate it to how we purchase in our personal lives, you know, pre-pandemic, when you went to buy a car, you would go and, and you would negotiate with that dealer to try and get the best price you possibly could, right? The best price, you know, that they offered to anyone on that day, yeah, that's what you're trying to get. So, and that's what GSA was, uh, you know, the intent, I mean, the multiple word schedule program was to do that, get that best price that was offered to, to everyone. And, and we see now it's more of a shift, so it'd be like going to... Now buy a car. You just went to the lot and you look at the sticker price on one car, then went to another lot and just looked at the sticker price. Didn't really talk to anybody, didn't get, didn't really dig for that price, but just compared it and said, Hey, well, the sticker price is close to everyone else. Must be a great price. So it was that shift of like rather than driving and getting that best value for for you know for taxpayers and leveraging, you know, the entire purchasing power of the United States government, you know, to, to to get that best price, uh, we saw more of a shift to like, hey, as long as the price is, we we'll say, close to your neighbor, close to your competitor, oh, that's a good price. And, and that's how we kind of saw negotiations uh, changing and this whole seismic kind of shift in how uh, the General Services Administration was looking at, at pricing and within the multiple board schedule program.
0: Tom, you used a phrase there that I think hits at the nuance that people are talking about. And in fact, I think it's what the uh, FAST Commissioner Sonny Hashmi alluded to if he didn't explicitly write it in the response to this. And that is lowest price versus best value. And the lowest price is the lowest price. And that's easy to determine. That's easy to look at the data and see it is what it is. Determining best value, it seems to me as an amateur outsider, is more difficult to ascertain. And I wonder how in an audit environment you go about, or if you're able to go about ascertaining what best value is. Tom, you go first, but Barbara, if you'd like to follow (laughs) up on that, I'd love to hear your input too.
2: Right. So so when we're in an audit environment, we're not past, like best value is something that gets made but with judgment through knowing all the factors of what, what they're looking for. And 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 I think sometimes what gets lost is you separate those two things and you kind of look at them separate, best price and lowest cost. But really, if you go into the federal acquisition regulation, especially uh 8.4, which is which um you know the commissioner and Sonny mentioned uh had mentioned frequently in his response, but within there it is define the best value at the lowest overall cost. So they do play an, you know, an integral role with each other. Um, you can't have one kind of without the, without the other. And I think that's how we always approached it. I mean you do have to when you in, in the audit environment look like yeah the terms and conditions are similar and, and these types of things, but it, it's always making it when, the, when those are, it, lowest price should be what you know when, when all those conditions are, are equal, lowest price is what should uh, prevail you know in, in, in that situation.
1: And I would just back that up. It's the acquisition regulation, which governs the contracting in government, I think requires that anyone placing an order that that order should represent value and price. And I think there's this notion that you give up one for the other um, in the current methods that, that GSA is using.
0: All right. Another quote from the work. Our audit analyzed the pricing methodologies fast used on mass contracts that participate in the TDR pilot, as well as contracts that required commercial sales practices disclosures. Barbara, you mentioned this earlier, found the price analyses under both methodologies were deficient. Where were those methodologies, methodologies deficient?
1: Yeah, so this we were alarmed by what we continue to find. Under the transactional data reporting methods, the data's just not good. It's inaccurate, it's unreliable, it's unusable for getting the best price for the taxpayer, as well as the, what they, they consider now the most important avenue of transaction data reporting, the category management. That's where you're looking at spend analysis and you have to drill down. Well, if the data's bad, the data's bad for pricing and it's bad for spend analysis. Under the commercial sales, we found that our fast, the FAS or the GSA contracting personnel mainly were accepting proposed pricing that was unsupported and outdated, and provided no commercial sales information for getting the best price. Tom's team, who did a fantastic job with this audit, had some very good examples for each.
2: Yeah. So when we were doing the audit, yeah. You know, what we found was consistently happening in our in our in our sample was uh, when you we were dealing with the transactional uh, data reporting contracts that were subject to that pilot, um, there was no data available. So they had so the contracting office had no could not use the transactional data uh, in any pricing analysis they performed. So then uh, their their fallback was to use some of the pricing tools or methodologies that uh, automated pricing methodologies that uh, GSA has available to them, uh, which allow compare. To mainly other schedule vendors' prices. So they would rely on this to kind of target pricing and, and kind of give them leeway in negotiating and, and awarding the pricing. And, and actually the same was they would use the same techniques actually on the commercial sales practices contracts as well. Likewise, because they're getting uh commercial sales practices, disclosures that are unsupported, outdated. So we found one where they gave a, a, a you know a vendor was um disclosed that a commercial sale, and it was, I think it was from like 2012, it was something like close to eight or nine years old at the time of this award of this contract. Uh, we we found commercial, uh, some of these disclosures coming in where it says, hey, we don't sell anything comparable, but you get the best price GSA. And we found the staff were relying on that partially, and then going to that pricing uh, tool where I said, they're just, it just goes in and says, hey, this is what, what that price compares to other multiple schedule vendors. And they're relying on that, but that doesn't actually get you to best price, right? Again, I think we kind of let off saying that's just telling you you're you're close to everyone else, and it actually even even worse, you know. And, and this is I think one of the big problems with with transactional data reporting. It isolates you from the commercial market. These are commercial goods, so. This was all set up, you know. The whole multiple work schedule program was to make sure, you know, we're we're connected with the commercial market. These are commercial goods. We don't want it to be, we don't want the government price for a hammer to be thirty dollars, but you could go to Home Depot and buy it for twenty dollars. We don't, you know, you that's and that's where the protections of that price reduction clause and getting the commercial sales information disclosed, you know, provided us those those protections. And so that's where we we found the deficiencies or where it was deficient was um, not really using that. Uh, to benefit taxpayers and to get that that best price up front for for you know ordering agencies to use when they go out and make these purchases. But but really just kind of falling on, well, it was relatively close to some other pricing, you know, hey, go go use it. So that that was kind of where the deficiency rely, you know, relied. In. And and I, I know we have a lot more or issues with the transactional data reporting uh, pilot, but that's yeah, you know, that's the root of the finding there uh, in the in the report,
0: Barbara. If the data is the problem, and you referred to it a moment ago as inaccurate and unreliable, um, what's what's the problem? Like, how did how did the data situation get to that point where the foundational data isn't good enough in your view for GSA to be able to use it for what they're trying to use it for?
1: Yeah, I think I think some of those examples are, are are kind of what Tom's team found in terms of the information that comes in the fields that the contractors are populating. Um, GSA is, com- is is considering it to be complete. Where what's happens, there's something in the field, but what's in the field is not a value that they can measure. So I, Tom, I think you have some examples of of what I'm saying here.
2: Yeah. So we've covered this <clears throat> in uh, several, you know, a few previous reports yeah so this is uh, back in june of 21 we issued a, a report on the transactional data reporting pilot you know saying it's not mean it's 10 and in there was one of the key key things was that that yeah there was inaccurate uh, unreliable information uh in particular uh i would know one of the metrics that uh gsa was measuring was is, is the data complete and they were measuring that by just looking at where contractors just completing, just putting something in the manufacturer field and the manufacturer part number field. And you look at and, and we are getting, getting to get a, a more granular look at that. We see well what the what the contractors entering is like NA or they might put null or they might you know put a part number that doesn't isn't has that has no relation on the contract, meaning it's it's not it's not on a price list. It, it, so it's so it really makes that data unusable. So that was a finding you know that. That that team had on that prior report, and then just recently in July uh, of the, you know, this past summer, we issued an alert memo as we found out that GSA was considering expanding the transactional data reporting rule, uh, uh, November first to all of, all of the multiple board schedule contracts. Again, finding significant issues with the data. Uh, in particular, you know we're we're looking at none of the services uh data that's been reported is, is usable. And but I say usable, they GSA hasn't even evaluated won't even include it in any evaluation they do on the program or on the data because of its the status of it not being even usable. Uh, that difficult that they won't even report out. And then pivot to what they are focusing on and that's the products. And there's significant issues with that. So we had found, I think as it currently stands right now, uh, I think 66 percent of the sales that have been reported in this fiscal year, you know, for for products for transactional data is unusable. Contractors are are reporting sales with part numbers that don't relate to any contract or prices. So essentially, GSA is getting data for products they don't know what they are. They they have no idea what they are, and it's problematic. You know, I know we point out a lot on the prices. Hey, you can't do a price analysis. This this can't replace CSP or the PRC if if you can't have this data straight. But I you know at FAS champions a lot that it also helps them with their category management, ensuring supply chain risk. You know, reducing that supply chain risk. But if 66% of the data can't tell you anything or, you know, is a product that doesn't even, you have no idea what it is. We don't know how it's, it's even benefiting in in those realms. So I think that's a lot of, you know, where we're we're coming from and Hey, these are the data issues. Um, It's these it's, it's because the data just seems to be unreliable and inaccurate and And really, if if that's what we're gonna rely on for for pricing and making decisions, we we just don't think it's the best bet for for taxpayers at this point. And Francis, GSA
1: is aware of these deficiencies. Tom's team has discussed them with them in in specificity as to what the issues are. After our June 2021 report, GSA actually stated um, to me personally that um, they would address these errors before ever expanding. They would look at these errors, they would correct these deficiencies, but we've seen no evidence that FAS has a process in place to to address the errors or prevent the errors, yet they wanna expand. So these errors are not ones that we've put in our report that they weren't aware of. They're aware of the the deficiencies of the data, yet they want to expand. Uh,
0: That data, the data problems that you both point out strike me as kind of the core, or at least an important part of the reason that you make recommendation number four of the four that you make explore new pricing methodologies that can ensure fastest contracting personnel are able to leverage aggregate government buying power uh, to negotiate and award multiple award schedule contracts. Am I reading that right? Uh, Either Barbara or Tom, is that data the big problem with that's caused you to make that fourth recommendation of the four?
1: Yes. Yes. We found under the pilot, it's, it's a, it was a three year pilot that was supposed to be evaluated based on price uh and, and these other factors and evaluating it it's in its sixth year and yet we still have data that's inaccurate unusable and unreliable and gsa knows it and then we look at the commercial side and taking a holistic view in this in this audit and they still aren't aren't performing analysis with accurate information they're performing them with unsupported data unsupported information so if both major price methods that you use to determine price are deficient, then explore new price methods. Um, it's, it's They tout that we're tied to see us to the commercial sales information. We're not. That's why we have that fourth recommendation to explore new methodologies that gets us and gets ensures that the United States is, is getting the best price.
0: I apologize to you and the listener for going out of order, but that's the fourth of the four recommendations that you make. The first one is pretty straightforward, I think. It's cancel the pilot. Um, And the second one it was the one that really struck me as pretty revolutionary. Inform customer agencies they should perform separate and independent price determinations because relying on mass contract pricing and following the ordering procedures may not ensure compliance with SICA requirements that order uh, orders and contracts result in the lowest overall cost alternative. I, I read that to say... Agencies that buy off the multiple award schedules, you shouldn't use this data at all for the reasons, Barbara, that you've outlined, and you should do your own price analyses that comport with the FAR. That strikes me as kind of getting at the heart of the point of the multiple award schedule, which is pretty a pretty big deal. Am I interpreting it the right way?
1: Yes, you are. When, when we When Tom's team discusses these findings with them, We discuss them in our exit conferences with them. When we discuss these issues, what GSA touts is, they are in compliance with the Competition and Contracting Act because discounting occurs at the order level or the level in which the customer agencies are purchasing. So if that's what your expectation is, that that competition is being met at that level, we just think customer agencies that need to perform that analysis because analysis is not being achieved at a fair and reasonable price at the schedule level, which is the level in which GSA is determining the price, and so if that's your expectation, we're just recommending that the customer agencies be aware of that expectation.
2: That's exactly right. We just thought that this was a an, you know I say opportunity, but we think it's where the agency should be notifying and kind of put in a buyer beware you know uh, notice notice on the schedule because you know, the way the procedures work, you know, within within the federal acquisition regulation and how it's all supposed to work together. GSA has that responsibility um, to, to negotiate the best, best price. And, and that is all built into regulation. It is how GSA has maintained the multiple scale program to be in compliance with uh, the Competition and Contracting Act was based upon establishing the objective of getting uh, a vendor's best price or most favored customer price. Um, so here, when we came in and looked and see that's not actually what's happening, and there's some policy even within GSA that's kind of telling the opposite, we thought it important uh, that agencies who are coming and, and using and, and placing their orders using the multi award schedule program uh, know that, hey, this might not be the best way. And, and as Barbara said, GSA, in a lot of discussions we have, say, well, that's for the customer agencies. You know, they have that responsibility to get to that lowest overall cost alternative you know, so they they should really be negotiating, but we're not sure that message is really clear. They might, you know, within the FAR, there's there's encouragement to, but maybe it needs to be clear that they need, need to in order they to really need to. they need to right. And they're, it's they're going to need to do that in order to to be able to say at the end of the day, I used the schedule, I ordered this, and the order results in that lowest overall cost alternative.
0: The only, the only one of the recommendations we haven't covered is uh, the third of four, established requirements and controls to ensure that fast contracting personnel adequately analyze CSP information. And I think we've touched on elements of why you make that recommendation. So I want to go to something, and we talked about this a little bit before uh, we went on the air, and that is in... Just about every IG work that I've ever looked at, there's been a response from the agency before it's published for the general public, and that response from the agency almost always gets lost in the in the shuffle. And I wanted to touch on that because you cite uh, in the in the public release of this uh, four uh, elements of uh, the Commissioner of Fast Sonny Hashmi's response. this work you write the fast commissioner disagreed with the conclusions in this report as well as three of the four recommendations and I'd like to walk through each of these four elements that you point out Um, the first is perceived transactional data reporting uh, pilot success Um, what's your sense of both Sonny's response about the the pilot success. And I think you've made it pretty clear so far in this discussion that you disagree that the idea that, that this pilot has been a success.
1: Yeah, I, I, to be honest, again, it's in its sixth year um, and you can't use the data. Um, it, and, and if you can't use the data, then why are you expanding it across the, across the program? I don't know if there's anything to follow up with that
2: topic. <laughs> I, I, I mean, well, it's I'm pretty just...
1: cut and dry there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just like to add, you know, like try to try to relate this to how how we buy and and do things that are personalized. So I, I, this is how I always kind of relate what's going on with 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 TDR and, and is it a success? So if I hired a contractor to come in and, and he's going to remodel my house and make it more energy efficient, it's going to it's going to save me money in the long run. He says, you know, it's going to take three years. We can evaluate for your year, but it's going to take three years to get done. And then if I fast forward and I'm into it six years. And it's maybe thirty percent complete, and you have been able to show me I saved any money. I mean, would you continue going on that project? Would you say this is a success? Let's go do this more. Or would you start to look for alternative ways? Like, hey, maybe this is not working, maybe, maybe it isn't as successful. Maybe we need to figure something else out because this is not, you know, this is not working. That's that's what I think is the core of what why, you know, like going back to the recommendations as we just discussed, is why we say cancel it. Uh, it's is because right, we're so far down this path, there's been no no shown success. Um, despite you know, we, we understand the commissioner has cited some what where they would say perceived. I think that's what we're trying to address was you know some perceived success, but none of that can really happen if if there's no integrity with the data. And I, I think that was what we wanted to reiterate when, when we put our response in there.
0: The second element in your uh, your comments about uh, Commissioner Hashmi's response regard Fast's responsibility for competition and contracting act compliance. And you write the fast commissioner stated that following established FAR and GSAR. Um, Procedures allows FAST to provide assurance that the mask program fully complies with SICA requirements. We agree these procedures, if followed, would result in contracts and orders that reflect the lowest overall cost alternative. Uh, And then a few lines down, furthermore, the FAST commissioner's response doesn't sufficiently address FAST's responsibility to ensure compliance with SICA. Um, What, what, if anything, would you add to those uh, remarks, either Barbara or Tom?
1: just that the customer agencies are relying on that price reasonableness that is supposed to be determined by, by GSA. And, so, and that's so that they don't perform it, they don't have to do it on their own. Our re- recommendation to, to inform customer agencies is just because of that. This audit shows, the audit, we looked at both pricing methodologies, the, the transactional data contracts and the commercial sales contracts, and we find them both to be deficient. And so if it's not going to be performed by GSA and and the Competition and Contracting Act requires that those customer agencies rely on that reasonableness, the customer agencies need to know that they, um, the expectation that they need to perform additional work.
2: Yeah, and I think we just want to make clear with the response, we don't disagree with what the procedures say. I think where the disagreement lies is we believe GSA is deficient in that, in the one key aspect that they're responsible for. And that's what we want to bring up, like the disagree, it's just, but, um, you know, FAS or you know, GSA is not sufficiently doing their part and fulfilling their responsibility in those price reasonable determinations to give these ordering agencies, you know, that price to get to use in in, in their purchasing. The That's other, the main
1: point of that.
0: The yeah. other two elements uh, that you write about in response to Commissioner Hashmi's uh, response to this work, supporting pricing analyses and information necessary for CSP analysis. I apologize that for time reasons, we're smashing the two of those together, but I welcome any comments that you have uh, about either one of those.
1: Yeah, I'll leave most of the time for Tom, but, but what we're really saying here is that the contracting personnel um, need to have that additional information in order to, to do a, a, a substantive price determination um, and analysis to get the best price for the taxpayer
2: yeah so for those two you know in, in response we would just wanted to go with the record as far as the pricing analyses that they provided that's they, they uh, said support that um uh, that the EBS pricing is, is better you know we found some flaws in some of those analyses so we wanted to just kind of bring that up and bring that to light and, and you know that some of it doesn't really support what what the commissioner thinks it supports Um, So we wanted to really, that was the the aim there, was to give a deeper dive and give um, some outlook on that, on on how we felt about those analyses. And and as far as um, information necessary for CSP analysis, um, uh, the commissioner responded, "Our, our contracting officers shouldn't be asking for any more information than is required. And our point was, well, considering the analyses are deficient, you're not getting enough information that's required. It's very, that that was like very straightforward. And I think, again, that's where the disagreement is, uh, you know, resides in. They think that's enough um, from our review because it's not resulting and we're not seeing that best price being sought and relying on a a lack of information then maybe you need to get more information. So that's the- the Yours is a
1: belief that they're getting it and ours is an audit that shows that it's not being obtained.
0: Yes, uh, very quick final thought, and I appreciate uh, your time today. Uh, the commissioner made it very clear in his response, he doesn't intend to take the recommendation to and the TDR pilot. What's your plan or, or strategy to do follow-up work to see what the trajectory continues to look like, Barbara?
1: My final thought about it is after our 2021 report, we're now in 2022 and have come out with two additional products. After that 2021 report, GSA leadership stated that it would address the errors before expanding. At a minimum, we've seen no evidence that they have a process um, um, to address or prevent it. You've got this TDR, TDR, transactional data reporting um, pilot, and it's six year. We've got clear evidence about the data deficiencies. At a minimum, you should delay this expansion until you can collect data, can correct the data, and use the data. Um, And so that's what our focus going forward would be.
0: I want to thank you both very much for your time. Uh, Tom Triple, Barbara Bolden, appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for
2: having us, Thanks for having us.
0: You can find a link to the IG report in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of The Daily Scoop Podcast. Salesforce Customer 360 for Public Sector is an integrated platform for public services that enables relationship management, case management, collaboration, integration, analytics, outreach, and modern application development. More information at salesforce.com slash government. Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss the show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like The Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It will help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together and the entire scoop news group team contributes the daily scoop podcast returns tomorrow till then i'm francis rose thanks for listening